Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message from Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us on the web at vinelife.com or read our blog at inthecurrent.net. Oh boy, oh boy. How are you? That is an awesome story. I love Willie. It's, yeah, man, just so good what's happening there. Um, I, I have a favor. Um, if I can ask you for a favor. Yes? Um, next weekend, uh, myself and um, Nick Kofal. Nick, will you raise your hand? We're going to be in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And uh, there's a worship conference happening down there. And I was asked to speak um, at that conference. And, and Nick's going to be a part of just the worship team and, and playing some music. And um, so Friday and Saturday, I'll be speaking at that conference. And then Sunday, Nick and I are going to get to speak at a church down there. And I would just ask you for your prayers. Would you pray for us next weekend as we're away and um, as we're kind of sent out from our family here? Um, just that, would you just ask the Lord that he would anoint us, you know, with his presence and that we could help them in their understanding, but it would also be met with his spirit and with power, yeah? Thanks, that would be helpful. Uh, so glad to know that my family and friends would be praying for us. So, okay, let's uh, hop right into this. Um, what we're going to do is, I'm, I'm going to throw a bunch of scripture at you this morning, and it'll be a lot, and I have a lot that I want to say. So this morning as I do that, um, probably be too much for you to go and flip through to every passage, so maybe you could just jot down the references, and throughout the week you can explore and, and study this stuff on your own, and... Um, That'd be really good. Um, so here, here, let me do this. Let me bring you up to speed. If you haven't been here over the last few weeks, I'll tell you this. We're in a conversation uh, for the last, I don't know, weeks, couple of months. We're just in a conversation about family together as a community, and we're exploring some things. We're, we're just talking about and, and asking some questions. What does it look like? What does it mean? How does it play out for us, like practically? What does it look like to be the people of God, to be the family of God? Um, and within the family, what does it look like for me to be a son or a daughter within the family of God? Yeah? So we're just exploring that because we just believe very strongly that the Lord's spoken to us here at Vine Life that a family culture, a family environment is something that we're supposed to chase after here, right? Got a ring going on here. Do I need to adjust that? Okay, better. And so we just believe that that's something the Lord wants us to lean into this year. Lord, how do we like walk in that in, in greater ways as, as your family, as your kids, as your sons and daughters, right? So that, that's what we're doing. I want to lean into this a bit more today. And I, I want to talk about this idea of sonship a bit further. Um, who was here a few weeks ago when I talked about this idea? idea? And, and at the heart of the issue, what I talked about was this, is we never outgrow our need for, for fathers and mothers in our lives. And we all have natural fathers and mothers. But I talked about this idea that we, we come into this place where the God wants to give us spiritual fathers and mothers as well. Yeah? And, and at the heart of that is just this idea that we just never outgrow that. It doesn't matter how old we get or how much we think we know, we never outgrow our need to be fathered, right? 
We just never outgrow that. And our our need to have people in our lives to not only give us advice, but people that we trust, these like um, spiritual fathers and and mothers, these godly men um, that we give permission to give us not just advice, but instruction. Yeah? I am so grateful for the spiritual fathers and mothers in my life. They... Just their wisdom, their counsel, the guidance that they've brought to me as a person, it has just meant so much to me. Like, um, what, is, what it's brought is just gave me a firm place to stand as a son, and, and it's, it's protected me from a lot. And man, just the wisdom and counsel, I'm so grateful for these people. But here's the thing I want to take this a bit further because the truth is, you might be here this morning and, and you might say, man, First of all, I never had my natural father or mother in my life. So, first of all, I I don't know a whole lot about that idea. I never experienced it a whole lot. And in many ways, I just sort of had to figure it out myself and kind of had to raise myself. So that whole fathering issue is somewhat foreign to me. Um, But I hear what you're saying and that we need fathers and mothers. And then I came a few weeks ago and I talk about this need for spiritual fathers and mothers. And you go... Okay, that's great. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I see what the scriptures say. And Am I still there? Should I switch to a handheld? No? Keep going? All right. And, and so you, you hear me come a few weeks ago and talk about this need for spiritual fathers and mothers. And, and you go, all right, I see what Paul says in the scriptures, that though you have many guard, guardians, you do not have many fathers. And for I became your father in the spirit. So, okay, I get that. We need spiritual fathers. But I don't have that either. And that's, that's new to me. And I don't have that. And so what do I do? First, I, I would just encourage you by just saying, hey, keep praying about that. Lean into that. Ask the Lord to show you that. Keep studying that. Um, I, I believe that God would send you that, that, that person or persons or that man or that, that woman that could come alongside you in your life. And if you don't have it today, keep leaning into that. I think the Lord wants to bring that to you. But as good as all that is and as fantastic as all that is, it actually gets so much better because God, the Father, actually wants to father you himself. God the Father actually wants to father you himself. And so just we can pause right there, and let me just say this. We need to understand, going into what I'm talking about today, that he's so much better than we think. He really is. God is so much better than we think. And in Psalms, um, Psalms 68, verse 5, it says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God and his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And so God the Father wants to be my father. Do you know that's a relationship that can actually happen for you? Like, do you know that you can live out your days and weeks and months with a relationship with God the Father where he speaks to you? 
through his word, but he just speaks to you even directly where you can wake up in the morning and hear the whispers of your father and hear him say, good morning, son. Some of you are like, what are you talking? It's possible. And God is so committed to this father-son relationship. He is so committed to fathering you because not only does he send you natural fathers, but spiritual fathers. And not not only does he send you spiritual fathers, but he himself wants to father you because he's so committed to you. Why? Because he is absolutely committed to making you just like him so that you as a son and as a daughter, as you live and walk and, and move and interact with people and as they see you and interact with you, they go, wow, he's just like his daddy. She's just like her daddy. He's committed to you, to father you. But here's the key. Here's the key, and here's where most of us miss it. I know I did for so many years. And you've got to get this. God the Father can only become a father to those that allow themselves to be fathered. God's my father. Awesome. Do you allow him to father you? I could say that even in the natural about my own father, you know. Well, it's my father. Yes, but have you allowed him to father you? So God the Father, man, he can only become a father to those that allow themselves to be fathered. I'll give it to you this way. Madeline, my oldest daughter, I have two daughters. They're both amazing. But let me just use my oldest as an example. I love Madeline, right, When she walks through the room, I smile and I light up because I just love her. She is the best daughter. And I have in mind her good. And one of the passions of my heart is to protect her, to lead her, to guide her, to to just see that her life is blessed, to see that she becomes all that God created her to be. Yeah? That's my heart for her as a father. And so how does she get all that goodness from me? She has to lean into me. She has to stay close to me. She has to let me father her. She has to believe that I have her good in mind. So that from time to time when I say, Madeline, I know you want to do that, sweetie, but I'm asking you not to. She's got to carry this belief in her heart that dad loves me. And dad's fighting for my good so I can trust him just to let me father her. We all have seen that, right? We see kids in a home with their parents and children that don't let their parents father them, right? And for a bunch of different reasons. Some of them feel very valid, right? But there's this open invitation that I extend to Madeline every day. But she gets to choose whether to step into it or not. You see that? You with me? We alive? Jesus was trying to paint a picture for this father-son relationship in, in the Gospel of John. And he's, he's talking about this idea, this fathering relationship 
that, that he had with the Father, and he paints this picture of, of what it looks like. And he uses this imagery and these words like abiding and remaining in him. And he paints it with these, this imagery of like vines and branches and, and this, whole, this whole thing. And it, here, I'll read it for you. He says in John 15, talking about fathering here. He's not talking about making wine or, okay, you missed that, but he's talking about fathering. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, meaning, let me father you. Let me father you. You have to let me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now pause for a minute, and here's, here's what I want you to see. It's this beautiful picture, this, this great image, and this picture that he paints for us, and he, and he shows us the result of a life that remains in him, yeah? He shows us how, how one bears fruit. It, it, we do that by remaining in him, right? But, but here's the deal, and here's what I want you to see. Because we can look at that and go, okay, great, but how does that play out? And how does that look? And like on the ground floor, practically, how does that play out in, in, in our life? This remaining in him, how do I do that? How does that look? How do I go about that? And here's what I want you to see. John 14 is just really a continuation of what Jesus, or John 15 rather, is a continuation of what Jesus was saying in John 14, Right? So when he, when he spoke, when he taught these things, he didn't finish chapter 14 and say, all right, next topic. I mean, it was just all one big long dialogue. And so really John 15 is Jesus just essentially saying, let me say this in another way. You with me? Okay. He's like, here's this, and here's what it kind of looks like at 30,000 feet. John 14 is like ground level. Basically saying the same thing, but in a different way. And here's what he says, this remaining in him. This is how that happens, okay? John 14, 15, if you love me, okay, and so stop right there. This is probably the most important word of everything that I'm going to share this morning. Love, everyone say it. We forget that. You'll miss the heart of everything I want to communicate to you. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. In other words, you'll obey me. You'll obey me. (laughs) You'll just like go, yes, yes, dad. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, 
for he lives with you and will be in you. So he's saying, right now he's with you, but you're going to enter into a relationship with me that's going to cause him to be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, meaning I want to father you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. Catch that. Notice that. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, catch this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Okay, catch what just happened there. Judas said, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And then he explains it, and here's how he explains it. He says this, no, I need you to understand. The ones that love me, stay close to me, and obey me, those are the ones I will open their spiritual eyes, and they will see me. These are my sons. So what he's saying here is not that the world can't see him or they have no ability to do. So what he's saying is those that love me and obey me, you will see me. Whoa. These are my sons. The ones that trust me. The ones that love me ones that obey me, and to them, I'll open their eyes. And wherever they go, they'll see me, they'll hear me, right? My Father will love them. And and watch this. And we, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we will come to them and make our home with See, a lot of us, we get so focused on what we're giving up and we forget what we're about to gain. We will come and make our home in you. So not only will we be beside you, with you, but in you. This, my friends, this is sonship. This is true sonship. This is what it looks like. This is how it plays out here. When we love and trust our Father, when our love and trust in Him happens, when when He opens our eyes, when we begin to see how good He is, that He has our good in mind, and we begin to see Him as a loving Father, Something happens there where we step out of slavery and into sonship. 
and our hearts are awakened to something new. And then we just enter into this abiding place. And something happens. I mean, like, it just changes everything. Jesus actually describes this whole thing about himself in John 5, 19. I mean, he, he shows us the same thing. So like the same invitation that he's inviting you into, he says it about himself. He's like, it's, it's what I do. So Jesus modeled it for us. And he says this, um, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. There it is. He lays it out again. I remain in my father. Why? Because my father loves me and I love him. And I stay close to him. And I let my father father me. And whatever he says, my answer is yes, even before he finishes his sentence. It doesn't matter. Yes, Lord. Like, like God was asking me that like months ago in times of prayer. Like He asked me this question. Will you say yes to me before I finish my sentence? That's what I was thinking about in prayer. Jason, can you get to that place of trust in me? Where before I even, Jason, I want you to, yes, Dad, yeah, yeah. Jason, will you, yes, yes. Jason, I was thinking, yes, Lord. You're not letting me finish. It doesn't matter. Because whatever you say, my answer is yes. Because I know you're that good. I know you love me. I know you have my good in mind. Look how this plays out in Matthew 7. I want to show you this. Same thing. We're talking about this fathering place, right? This abiding place. And, and look how it happens here. He, he says, Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, meaning like when you believe in me and you hear what I say and you go, okay, I'll do that. You like obey me in that way, um, puts them into practice. Whoever does that, he is like a wise man who built his house in the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, catch this, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. What's going on here? Jesus finishes his teaching. And they're freaked out because he taught as one who had authority 
I looked up this word authority, and it just means that um, he has power over or control over. So they were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Well, what's up with that? And I know we pick on the teachers of the law all the time. We pick on the Pharisees and all these guys, but uh, let's not pick on them because I would say this. These guys weren't idiots. They weren't. They were smart people. They were educated people. Very educated people. Like these guys, most of them could probably quote the Torah cover to cover. They were smart. They knew their word. So why didn't they have authority then? Because in, in our culture, this is what we think about, right? If you study a subject long enough, you become an authority, right? And Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not what's going to happen. So why didn't the Pharisees have authority? Because authority doesn't come from education. It comes from sonship. Wait, now you're picking on education. No, I'm not. Like, what education does is it aids in our understanding and our knowledge. And we need it. It's vital. But the thing is this. Education must always be subject to our sonship. Not reverse. Authority doesn't come from education. Authority comes from sonship, knowing who you are, who your daddy is. And you step into that place, this place of abiding, this place of surrender, this place of obedience, because we know how good he is. We know how much he's done for us. We see how much he loves us, how he has our good in mind. And everything he says, everything he does, we say and we do. And we step into that place, and it's called abiding, and it's called remaining in. And in that place, we see, oh, all that he has is mine. Because all the resources of heaven are available to everyone on earth, but it's only the sons and the daughters that know how to freely access it. We need education, but authority comes from sonship. Is it any wonder why so much of the church around the world today just seems so impotent and powerless? We know lots of stuff. We resource the world with more books than any other country. There's not much authority. And God's changing that. He's changing that. So that we would become sons and daughters. Yeah? Kind of quiet in the room. Because here's where we got to be real honest with ourselves. Like, honesty time. And let me do that for you. Just, Jen, you can go ahead and play. I'll talk to you about my own journey for a while. A large part of my spiritual journey, I, I can tell you this. It wasn't sonship that I was looking for. Salvation. Certainly, but not sonship. I wanted to be saved, 
I, I didn't want to carry the, the guilt of my sin anymore. I, I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to be saved. And that, that's kind of what I was after, but not sunshine. Because how it played out was this. It's like, Lord, I'll, I'll do just enough. I'll obey just enough so that I can get a passing grade. That was kind of the idea in my heart. It's a lot like when we're kids and our, and our parents ask us to do something, to do a job. And I remember that when I, when I was a young kid. I, I remember when my dad would come, Jason, I want you to clean the garage. I remember this a lot because our garage always got messy and I always had to clean it and hated it. Okay? So I remember that. Like my dad would come, Jason, I want you to clean the, the garage. And here what was in my, here's what was in my mind and here's what was in my heart. What do I have to do? What is the bare minimum that I have to do here so that he'll come into the garage and go, okay, you're done, you can go. Like, what do I, I want to do just enough here so that I won't get in trouble. So that I won't be out playing with my friends and I, I, I'll hear from the front door, Jason. That happened like before. Dang it. Ah, yeah, dad. You didn't finish. And so the idea was, what do I have to do here just to get a passing grade? And so what wasn't in my heart was this just like great love and delight and my father and just to please him. I know it's shocking. It's shocking, but that's not what it was. Just, I just want to escape his wrath. So that he could say, okay, you're done enough. So that I could go on with my business and go hang out with my friends. And sadly, so many of us relate to the Lord this way. We do. So many of us relate to our Heavenly Father this way. Because we see him not as a loving father but just as some taskmaster and like we don't see how good he is. We don't see how much he loves us and how much he's actually working to to bless us and care for us and make us like himself. And this isn't sonship, it's slavery. That's the heart of a slave. Just need to appease my master, whatever I have to do to escape his wrath. That's not sonship. But something changes in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationship with the Lord when we see him not as this bitter, you know, far off, distant God, but as a loving father who delights in us. Something happens in that place. And when that happens, it changes everything. Because we look at this passage in John 14, so many of us, here's what happens. We look at the passage where Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. The problem with that passage is this, is those words are so similar to words that we use in our culture, especially with our spouses or our kids, right? And so when we read those words, we hear the same tone of voice that we use and the same expression on the face that we use, right? And it's usually something like, if you love me, 
Come on, some of you are quiet because you know it just happened this morning, right? If you love me, you'll obey me. We read those words of Jesus and we hear that same tone and that same heart. You've got to get this this morning. That is not what Jesus said. That's not what was in his heart. That wasn't the tone of his voice. That wasn't the expression on his face. I think it would be better understood. You, you picture this conversation. You, let's say Peter. You picture him looking to Peter. And like, Peter, when you just, Peter, if you could just see how much I love you. If you could just see how much I love you and how much I care about you and how much I'm working for you good. Peter, when your love matures, and this is true of us as well, like when your love matures and becomes like complete, obedience just becomes a natural overflow. Just, it gets easy. It gets easy. As his love in us, through us, around us, as his love opens our eyes to who he is and who we are in that place. Obedience is just easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when we step into sonship in that way, that actually happens. Can I, can I tell you just testimony in my own life? And, and this is true. And first, I'll, I'll just say this. I have a lot to learn and a long way to grow. Go. I, I, I'm in process. I am. Got a ways to go. But, but I will tell you this, that I, I'm in a place in my journey with the Lord where disobedience and sin actually isn't my default anymore. I'm, I'm being totally honest. Are you saying you never sin? No, I, I do. I do. But it's not the default like it used to be. It's not intentional like it used to be. There used to be this thing in my heart. I don't know why. God, I hear what you're saying, but I don't care. I mean, that, that was me for a long time. I can tell you, I don't, I don't carry that in me anymore. Usually these days when I sin, it was like after the fact, and I'll be with the Lord and he'll speak to me and I'll go, oh, man, Lord, you're, you're right. God, I'm sorry. But it's not my default. What's changed? Him? No. Me. I've changed. And that can actually happen. So we can do one of two things with what I'm saying today. We can pray one of two prayers. The first is, all right, Lord, Jason's talking about obedience. Okay, so help me to obey more. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, if you hear that this message is about obedience, you're totally missing it, right? Religion is simply obedience without love. Okay? So our prayer this morning isn't, okay, help me obey more. Our prayer this morning is, Father, stir up my affections for your son. Father, help me to see you. Open my heart, Lord, to how much you love me and how good you are. Help me to see what you've done and what you're doing. 
It's in that place, as his love in us, around us, through us, as that grows, then it just becomes real easy to go, Lord, whatever you say, my answer is yes. I want you to give that up, okay? I want you to walk away from that. Awesome. I want you to turn your course here, son. You got it. Because I love you. Yeah? This is sonship. This is sonship. This is what it looks like when we allow God the Father to father us. Let's pray. Dad, I'll ask you to come. Before I pray over you, just ask you to wait before the Lord a minute. Because I know what I said here this morning, it's going to land with a lot of us just in different places. So if you would, just for a second, just, just simply go, Lord, what are you saying to me? Like, give the Father an opportunity to father you for a second. What do you want to say, Lord? Father, I pray for my friends, my family here. That you would open our eyes to your great love. That your love for us, this God so loved the world place, that that would become not just information, but revelation in our hearts. Show us who you are. Help us to see who we are. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would stir up by your spirit our affections for you, our love for you, our love for each other. And that would become for us an abiding place, a surrendered place, an obedient place.